On today's episode of The Glue Guys, we're going to talk about the Game 2 loss to the Raptors and Joe Harris leaving the bubble. We have no news about it, but we'll talk about what that means for the team. Welcome back to the Glue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Check us out on Twitter at BK Glue Guys. That's daily.com. I'm, I'm, I'm exhausted. I'm trying to piss Mike off this entire. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. I'm just going to I'm just going to be fully honest. So my <laughs> wife gave birth on Friday afternoon to our second son, mm. um, which coincided literally Damian Lillard's game against the Nets to get the Trailblazers into the playoffs caused my wife to have contractions. That's how good of a game it was. Big game. You know, they call it Dame time. I had traction time over here. I, I was going to have a baby. <laughs> um, and so it's been a bit of a weekend. And <laughs> Brian and I tried to record on Monday. Now, I didn't tell Brian that much of a heads up that we were going to record. And Brian was going into a chill sesh with some, <laughs> well, some of your boys. I had, I had a, a call before your thing that that canceled. And I was like, oh, oh, that's canceled. So now everything's canceled, which I at the t- that was my thinking at the time, not realizing that that was incorrect. So anyways, I, I privately canceled on Mike without <laughs> telling him. <laughs> in my mind and he's uh uh and i've apologized and he refuses to accept it that's that's where we're at so um you did say time heals all wounds and to me actually for most wounds an untreated Mm. wound makes it worse brian time in fact makes wounds it's festering is what you've got an infected wound um all right well this is the end this may be the last episode of (laughs) glue guys it was a good run we did our best. Um, so, yeah. So, I have two sons now. Uh, my second son, Timothy Luwalo Caparo Smelts. Welcome mm-hmm. him to the to the Nets hive. Uh, so, <laughs> where we, so, anyways, yeah. I mean, I'm going to sound like a complete my, maniac. This, I'm actually really – this. the podcast really does heal our relationship because, you know, <laughs> we've, we, our, our tension has been completely lifted. But right before we hit – play i mean pet mike is a true professional in the truest sense because he was he was visibly audibly pissed <laughs> off with me and then as soon as that record button flicks on he's a consummate professional and as soon as this is over too he's gonna lambaste me again <laughs> I know, but for now it's great the it's thing great. is we're most honest with each other when we're recording lot. it's true it's a weird psychology that happens where it's, it's like because yeah all wow. those are listening then we can truly be Oh ourselves. God, we're so screwed up. That's the problem. Um, <laughs> anyways, so the Nets are down 2-0 in their series against the Toronto Raptors. We are recording uh, a, f- a nary few hours after the Nets barely lost to the Raptors. The Nets had the lead for, you know, actually most of the game. And of course, the Nets kind of blew into the fourth quarter. Karis LeVert was just gassed, 5 for 22 from the field. Um, still an impressive performance, but the, the kind of like we we got an additional bit of news at once the game ended was that Joe Harris has left the bubble for a non medical reason, mm. and I've been I've 
to be the, I'm trying to be a reporter and asking a whole bunch of people who may actually know the answer about why he has left the bubble. And so far, they've refused to fully tell me. And, and, and frankly, you know, it's, it's probably it's not it's it's a bad reason, right? Like you, you mm. would assume <clears throat> we, we don't want to play like guess the reason, but no. obviously hope everything's OK. I'm sure for Joe Harris to willingly leave the bubble during the playoffs, it must be something serious. So whatever it is, you know, thoughts to him in the situation. But what it does do is it leaves the nets down another man. And the graphic that the TV networks love to put up of the number of nets that are no longer in the bubble, mm. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Spencer Dinwiddie, DeAndre Jordan, <laughs> I was about to say Tyson Chandler, Wilson Chandler, names go on and on and on. Now Joe Harris is added to the list. Yeah. Brian, mm. what does this mean for your Brooklyn Nets? Mm. It doesn't change too much. I'll say, I'll say that. Yeah. I mean, uh, this was a closer game. Um, but yeah, obviously, first things first, hope everything's okay, you know, with Joe Harris in life. Um, what's up with the bubble? You, you, can, you can't come back into the bubble. Let's say they miraculously rattle off four wins. Can they? Yes, so he can. So... What Adrian Wojnarowski, I mean, a couple of players have done it, right? Like Lou Williams right, left yeah. the bubble, came back in. Montrose Harrell's grandmother passed away, and mm, he right. left the bubble and came back in. Uh, Joe Harris, so Adrian Wojnarowski from ESPN said that, like, at the very earliest, basically, Joe Harris wouldn't be able to play until game six or game seven. Like, if we're saying he left the bubble for a day and then came back in, he would have to quarantine for seven days and would need to have two negative tests within those seven days, and then he would be allowed to play. But mm-hmm. so that the the timeline here is six or seven games. I think if we're being honest, I don't see this series, particularly without our boy Joe Harris, mm-hmm. extending to six or seven games against a uh, a formidable Toronto Raptors team. Uh, I've learned. I feel like we've learned a lot in these mm. first two games. Oh. I feel like we've learned a bit about the players on the team, particularly the guys who may actually be here next year and maybe some guys who've cemented their roles. Yeah. I mean, you got incredibly audibly horny for TLC and his services going going forward. Um, I mean, is, is that remain true? Do you think re- that that'll continue? Remain fully true. I mean, I, I don't have his <laughs> bubble stats, his full bubble stats in front of me, but he scored 17 points in this in this game here against the Raptors in game two. He didn't have a great shooting day. He was three for 10 from three which is insane, yeah. but he got the start. He's over his last 10 games has been 10 points, 33% from the field or from three. I was going to say that's not good. Yeah. I mean, but he, he has proven to me that he, I mean, he's on a minimum contract for next year. That the Nets have full control over. I think if there's like, it, it becomes guaranteed for a small amount of money at a certain point, though the deadline was pushed back. Cause like literally the deadline for that contract is right now which should be the off season, but in fact it is the beginning of the playoffs. Mm. You know, we talked about this in the last pod. He's a six, seven slightly athletic player who can shoot threes. I think, Mm. I think if you're paying that guy minimum salary and he's whatever, you know, it doesn't even matter what age he is. That's worth holding onto for when Katie and Kyrie come here. And to so like, if I'm doing, what have I learned Mm -hmm. new segment? Uh, Timothy Lualu Cabarro deserves to be a Brooklyn net when this team is a true contender. He at least deserves to be an end of the bench wing, which frankly, he's almost, he already seems almost all, all overqualified 
for for how he's done so far. Um, is there any <laughs> has has he cemented himself in in Brian Egan's rotation though throughout this whole process, or do you feel like Mike Smeltz is getting a bit overhyped? <laughs> um, I mean, he has cemented himself on the team for sure. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I you know this is we're getting out ahead of our skis potentially talking about rotations for next year. Um, but I will say I felt a familiar pang of jealousy when Ian Eagle was talking about Toronto's seven man rotation. And I was like, oh, I can't wait for the time when we have a rotation that tight. Cause it's really just, you know, that's symptomatic of a team that really knows what they're about and who they want to be playing and, and cracking the rotation means something super significant. You know, this whole five years has just been one giant rotation cracking fest for, for any, <laughs> Anybody, anyone, TLC, you know, anybody who who wants a crack at it can can get in this rotation <laughs> or has been for a long time. And I'm just ready for um, I'm ready for that rotation to really shore up, Mike. I'm ready for that to be <laughs> a tough a tough nut to crack. That's not wishing and hoping that Rodian's Karoops can be a be a thing. And like he was so bad in this game, he he. I mean, he didn't even really have that many shots, but it felt like every shot that he took. I'm going to look up. He was one for four from the field. Oh, for three from, from three, which is like, has, that's obviously no impact. He, he didn't, he only had one turnover, but it felt like his 16 minutes, him being on the floor, he provided nothing to the team. And obviously we've, you know, we've seen Rodion's rise, you know, most of the fan base, parts of the fan base are intrigued by him as a player. Um, but he was horrible. And if you think about how bad he was, the fact that the Nets only played eight guys, Jacques Vaughn, development-minded Jacques Vaughn, the guy who's trying to win his job, only played eight guys mm. uh, guys in this game. And Chioza's been getting fewer and fewer minutes now. He got 12 minutes in this game. I think he got just about the same last game against the Raptors. This was a, a tight rotation. Yeah, well, Jacques he's... Vaughn. He is uh, poor. Chris Chioza is up against his doppelganger and a a true menace in Fred Van Vliet for for what he wants to be doing. It's just he's looking at a guy who's just been doing it at a higher level, like all of the things that he wants to do, just at a higher level for longer, and he's way further ahead at it. And it's frustrating. It's got to be frustrating to watch like that exact role that your your platonic ideal of what you hope to be, uh, just way like you know many years further in their evolution. And, and just way, just way more devastating of a force. I mean, oh, I, I mean, yeah. I mean, like in there. I mean, this is Chris Chios's like, like you know, wildest wet dream to to be a Fred Van Vliet. Who I, I mean, what is going to happen with Fred Van? Is is he going to go to the Knicks next year? Like, that's my big fear. Um. So I think Mr. Van Vliet is is going to get paid huge dollars. And yeah. if you're Toronto, unless you win the championship this year again, I don't know, like. What do you do? Like, I don't know what you're doing if you're paying Van Vliet a ton of money with Lowry, with Gasol, and may shake loose Sabaka, which all Nets fans. But, I mean, we should talk, right? We should talk about the game, Brian. Everyone's yeah. like, let's talk about the horrific end of game situation. You know, I, it was interesting. <laughs> I was uh, being on uh, Nets Twitter, a beautiful place. You know, it you're, is a good place. You're, you're a, lot of, a lot of the best minds in basketball survive and thrive on Nets Twitter and particularly mm. at the end of the game we're all tweeting the same things right like we're, we all see, we all see and identify the exact same things and <laughs> people were criticizing the end of game possessions that Jacques Vaughn trotted out there and that you know Karis LeVert was implementing on the floor and my whole feeling with I don't know if you agree with me it's like I'm I'm having a tough time being super critical of 
the how the how the team is playing in the playoffs yeah. because yeah. they're playing Tyler Johnson 22 minutes, a guy who didn't exist in Nets lore Dude. until three weeks ago. In game one, we had Dante Hall playing legitimate rotation <laughs> minutes in a playoff game. He came in. He came in from like true basketball site. I mean, no. I mean, G League is great. Everyone, you know, like we've had a lot of. <laughs> but, <laughs> Look like, at you, afraid to offend the G League supporters. <laughs> but you know, I, I I believe in miracles. You know, you can come up and, and crazy things happen. Um, but really, he was in the hinterlands of of professional basketball, and then is immediately thrust into playing against the previous. Previous year's champions, like it's not, it's not a good situation. That is not a recipe <laughs> for success. So yeah, with all of that in mind, it's like, I mean, I find it like, it's interesting that this game was as competitive as, as it was. Like it shows enormous comp- competitive spirit and, you know, always, always love the Brooklyn grit, you know, hashtag a hundred percent. I'm about it. Um, but there isn't a ton. It's weird because there isn't a ton to be learned about this. These guys are not long for this world coming into next season. So there's a weird kind of like, you know, how much you really just can't be emotionally invested too, too much at this point. Um, so like the living and dying with a, uh, like a sputtered out Garrett temple end of game situation. It's <laughs> it just like, so it bad. just, you know, you make your fart noise and that's it. And <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't have to be much more complicated emotionally for me. I mean, and if we're going to be like super critical talk radio dudes, Yes, there were the the Nets like last five to seven possessions. There was maybe like, you know, there was a couple of good moments within there. But like Levert, there was a drive near the end of the game when the Nets were maybe down like six or something where Levert drove to the basket and he drew two men towards him and he tried to make a pass to Jared Allen and it was turnover. And if Jared Allen scored, it was an easy bucket if Jared Allen just gets the ball on his hands mm. and he wasn't able to do it. And it was still like at the point of the game where like it was obviously close to the end, but also it wasn't like the, the Raptors were fully locked in to the defensive possession. So like if you get those two points and then the Nets had another fruitless offensive possession, but then they make that mini run at the end to get it within a chance of within three points. It's like those those possessions almost matter more to me because, you know, the thing that you could be critical of, but even then it's like unfair, is like you do want to see Karis LeVert make the perfect play every time. And that's what we're asking of him. Like he has to make the the he has to have be on such a drive that he either has to score every time he gets there or pass the <laughs> ball to a guy who is assuredly going to score because we don't know, frankly, like just the amount of talent the Nets have is not that high, and but you know again, yeah the Nets screwed up. The Nets didn't like a play that had the best end of game situation. But again, the people on the floor for them were Timothy Luwalu, Kabaro, Garrett Temple, Karis Levert, Joe Harris. By the way, Joe Harris. I mean, again, I don't know what's happening with with his situation while he's leaving the bubble. He was a badass. In this game today, I mean, he, mm-hmm. he had like fifteen rebounds or something insane like that. Um, Fourteen defensive ones, um, yeah. And he, I mean, we'll we'll kind of like meme on Garrett Temple for I, what what looked more like him kind of screwing up, but um, they swarmed Joe Harris on that. Like that play that was drawn up was not that was not going to be good. But like <laughs> it wasn't going to happen. Um, I, you could tell right from the right from the beginning on that entry pass. Right, let's take a quick break here. Tell you about something from our friends at DraftKings. So we'll get right back to the Nets Raptors game two and wow. what's going to happen with Joe Harris. 
Sure, the regular season is fun, but and all, but only one thing can compare to the excitement of mm. basketball's playoffs, <laughs> and that is having skin in the game with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Basketball has made its way through the regular season. Now it is time to crown a champion. And DraftKings Sportsbook is putting you in the center of the action. To celebrate basketball's first round of the playoffs, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you an amazing free bet offer. For every day that you bet at least $20 on basketball, DraftKings Sportsbook will give you a free $10 bet. Head to the app right now and check out all that they have to offer, including player props, quarter-by-quarter betting, that's really tasty stuff, and so much more. Plus, do not forget, hockey's playoffs, DraftKings Sportsbook is offering great odds and promotions all week long to help you make it rain. I don't know if that's how you say it. When you say rain, so they spell it R-E-I-G-N, like you when you rain over mm-hmm. an empire. Mm-hmm. When you make it rain, I always thought it was uh, raindrops keep falling on my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because when you're at the club, when you're a, making a double- it rain you're you're literally the the dollar bills have have formed into droplets it could be a double entendre entendre like it could be like they're like make it rain like you're raining as the oh you've won a lot of money so you're raining you're raining over your friends (laughs) you're lording over the world (laughs) yeah and you can become the lord of the world if you go to Mm -hmm. DraftKings sportsbook which is a safe secure and reliable betting app you can deposit and Withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code QUICK when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a free $10 bet when placing a bet of $20 or more on all first-round playoff action. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook is going all out by offering a $10 free bet when placing a bet of $20 plus on all first-round playoff action. Again, that's promo code QUICK. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey only. Other terms and conditions and restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Mm. I remember being critical of Joe Harris during the last okay. playoffs uh, oh, series yeah. against the Sixers. Do you think he kept that in the back of his mind? <laughs> I, I mean, he's been... So he has been, like, amazing. But he's... He's been, if I'm Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving, or if I'm in fact sharing both of their minds and I am watching the team that I'm going to be playing for next season, and I do see Joe Harris being as much of a badass as he's been in these playoffs, playing as hard of defense as he possibly can, snaring rebounds. Every time this, when he's open from three, it goes in. I get excited and I'm texting Joe Sy on the side saying, mm. hey, Sean Marks is right. Joe Harris is our number one priority. We got to sign this guy. Whatever it takes. Yeah. I don't care about the, your trillions that you're making during this pandemic, Joe. Yeah. We got to sign Joe Harris because Joe, just just thinking about as bad as, you know, they're down 0-2, the Nets are, and Joe Harris leaves the bubble, and, you know, it's unlikely that the Nets are going to pull off the upset of the century. Thinking about Joe Harris alongside of Durant, Kyrie Irving, Bradley Beal is exciting. Bradley Beal. Um, he's been, he's been pretty great. Phenomenal. Even Mm -hmm. it's the Um, old, like AAU method of, of, uh, cause like they're specking for Joe Harris on this, uh, (laughs) the Raptors defenses, they are specializing to prevent Joe Harris. And what any AAU coach will tell you to do 
in that situation is, you know, get busy in other ways. Bring value. How do you bring value? You get, <laughs> you, get you stick your nose in there for some tenacious D and rebounding and, and you get busy, which is, I think he's, um, he's found that he can create value in a lot of other ways. If I asked you to grade Karis LeVert right now in these wow. two games, because I think he's been a little bit oh. divisive, his performance. Some people think he's being too deferential. Others think that he's jacking up too many shots. How mm. would you assess Karis' play? It's such a tough spot to be in for him. You know, it's sort of damned if you do, damned if you don't, because... Um, I mean, he's averaged a lot of assists in the, in the two games. Um, and also he's just been like playmaking a lot better in the last, you know, two weeks or whatever. Um, but also it doesn't make a ton of sense to be passing the ball out of his hands, you know, <laughs> like on, on a, on a very fundamental level. So he's in a weird spot where it's like, he's being tasked to develop this part of his game. That's been coming along for a long time and it looks good. It's passing the eye test. And yet, it also may not be the winningest strategy. Though, like, he shot not good from the floor today. He also does the same thing that he has continued to do, which is work really, really hard to take very contested uh, point-blank shots. And that's, a, a like, a habit that he gets into that I just feel like is not, that's not the way of the future for him. And he just, like, I, I feel like he's resorting to this. He's getting frustrated, and he wants to just, like, take the game over. And that's his, his version of taking the game over. And that's not... It's not always the good one. That's the frustrated version of him that like he needs to he needs to meditate on that and and get into the the part of him that's like passing the ball way sooner up at near the elbow, you know, making those like prescient kind of, you know, telegraphing where Jared Allen is going to be further from the basket. Uh, and then also like he's got a, a really nice like mid-range game and stuff like that. Like I just feel like he gets baited into taking these just herky-jerky point-blank shots that like are are deceptively low value. Yeah, and, um, and you yeah. can even see it on his face when he's taking them. Yeah, he's like, and he's oh, like, why did I, I just like sweat my balls off to get this <laughs> terrible shot up? And just like, I'm following it up five times doing the like the Carmelo Anthony, like bouncing for his own rebound five times, which is exhausting. If you've ever done that, like if you're just like trying to rebound your own ball a million times, it's super. He just looks like he's put spending so much energy, you know, I'm I'm almost a little like this is the playoffs, right? I am a Washington Nationals fan, and I remember it was seven years ago now when the Nationals didn't pitch Steven Strasburg when he was a young pitcher because they didn't want to get him injured. They didn't pitch him in the playoffs, and it's almost like that situation with Levert. Now it's like now that Joe Harris has left the bubble and he won't play at least in game three, four, and if there is a five, a five, that <laughs> I just don't want anything to happen to Karras. We, we know right. Karras's injury history. He is expending a tremendous amount of energy, which is a good thing. It shows that how desperately he wants to win, even though he's being flanked on the wing by Chris Chioza and Tyler Johnson. Like, dude, during that, even that uh, that Portland game too, I had flashbacks. That because remember the Portland game where Yusuf Nurkic like did like his leg yeah. flew off. Oh. That was against us, and that was I remember like about to one of my many draft tweets that never went under the world being like this is like <laughs> this is getting like dangerous before and i was like and it felt very similar to that again like especially at that blazers game i was having ptsd anyway sir i interrupted you no and it's it's like i'm a, i'm just so worried i wonder if sean marks is gonna call down from his tower on on top of sunset park and call jock and say jock you've done enough i have enough data on you i mm. understand now that Joe is leaving the bubble, we should just reevaluate how much we're using Karis LeVert, a guy who has had injury problems in his like 
maybe we dial it back and it would be the weirdest look in the playoffs if like the nets i know played 14 minutes of musa yeah. Yeah. but frankly it's kind of the thing that you should do it's just the thing that they no one ever does it's like it doesn't yeah. make sense to play Karis Levert. like there was a moment in the game it was the fourth quarter i think it was 10 minutes left and Levert had continued to play like he had basically i think he played the whole third quarter and was going into the fourth quarter and Jock Vaughn got up Garrett Temple to bring to take out Karis Levert, and Levert waved off Jacques Vaughn and says, <laughs> like he walked away basically. Mm. And it was like it wasn't a moment when Garrett Temple was immediately able to go onto the court. And then I think Levert <clears throat> had a turnover, and mm. that and then Levert moved to the bench and sat on the bench for a good like six minutes until he was put back in the game to give him rest. And he still played thirty nine minutes in this game, even though he sat like five minutes in the fourth quarter. <laughs> It just is like, yeah. It, it do you do you want to know what I'm reminded of? Yes. You ready for, for the analogy? It's, it's a Mad Men one again. Love it's, it. We're going, yeah. we're going back to the well, but I'm reminded now of just you sort of outlining that Sean Mark scenario where he goes to Jacques Vaughn and he you know says this this hard truth about it's. I'm reminded of the second time where they're acquired by McCann Erickson and they have this elaborate like whole strategy to to like have a, an orbit office in California or something and all this stuff, and they go in and they do this whole big pitch. And Jim Hoberman, I want to say, is the character's name for McCann, the CEO, of President McCann Erickson, and he's just like, "That was great, but just stop fighting. Just stop fighting. You know, <laughs> this is you've you've died and gone to to advertising heaven. Just stop fighting." And this is sort of how I feel about <laughs> about the Karis Levert situation with this. It's like you've done you've done the thing. You've done. You can stop fighting now. You yeah, know? You, <laughs> you can, you've made it here. Yeah, right. Yeah, and it, uh, yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah. it, yes, it, it is. It, it's like, and the, the, so we'll have a many more interesting conversations once the once we mm-hmm. we are journalists, you and I, and we are beholden to the games that are still going on. It's a hundred percent true. But we're gonna have a thousand conversations once these games end for the Brooklyn Nets about Carouselvert's rise at the end of the season, what it means for his. Is he the third star? Right. Mm-hmm. Like we'll have that conversation a thousand times. Um. He has proven that, like, he is worthy, right? Like, he is for sure worthy to play with Kyrie and Kevin Durant. And has he proven that he's, like, the third star? Again, we'll have that conversation another time. This is this Raptors matchup is just the worst possible matchup for him. The, the Raptors play the most different types of defenses. They have about every player on their team, from Fred Van Vliet to Serge Ibaka, can guard Karis Levert in some way, right? Yeah. Like Marcus Gasol is the only guy who, if Gasol got switched on Levert, right. and even then, even then, like, Gasol's yeah. like a four. I, I don't think he's one defensive player of the year, but he's been like top yeah. three in the vote. If not, he's, got he's speedy little weird steps. He's got a weird yeah, speedy foot. <laughs> um, even Kyle Lowry, who I'm always reminded every oh. time that we play him, how how much he how is just like the most annoying person ever um but also like i'm incredibly jealous that he's like you know i just want him on my team like that kind of spirit um we haven't had i don't think we've ever had that kind of spirit on this team and he's really like he's the things that he does that like make him such like kind of a really one of the main engines behind a championship caliber team here is all all of the shit that he does is actually incredibly consequential like it's actually really pretty good to get everybody on in foul trouble. <laughs> it really, it really does suck. Uh, when you're rotating on screw and you can only play 16 minutes a game because you get foul trouble. It's like how James Harden gets fouls, but we're like Lowry, Lowry doesn't do it to get to the free throw line. He just does it to foul out 
or to put yeah. pressure on the other person. Uh, one sec. Let's take a quick break. Oh, and we'll be right back to talk a little bit more about your nets in the playoffs. Okay, cool. Back to Karis LeVert. I think the thing that we have learned, we've learned a few things about from his bubble experience and in these two playoff games is that one, he is extremely competitive and he's not willing to back down. And maybe that manifests itself in going five for 22 from the field and putting up a bunch of ugly jumpers. Sure, that's maybe not the most efficient thing. And when he plays with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, that won't be the best thing. But he has some dog in him. If I'm going to go my my NBA TV analyst, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he has some dog in him. Cap on him. But he also has increased passing talent. He's always been a good passer. But by being the focal point of an offense, he's been putting up like 11 assists, 15 assists, 9 assists, 13 assists, 7 assists, you know, in the bubble, in the playoffs and in the regular season, he's been putting up double digit assist totals. Even though he's a focal point of the offense, that is still an impressive figure. It shows that to me, more than anything, that's the thing that shows that he can play with Kyrie and KD because he is such a, a, a willing passer and so able to see where the ball should go. Because a lot of times what's going to happen if he is on the floor with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving is he's going to be secondary ball handler dude, really the third, the tertiary ball handler. Is that third tertiary? Mm-hmm. Um, he, and he's going to be getting the pass. And if he's then driving into a, a reacting defense to him because they were previously <laughs> attached to Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, well, a, a guy like Karras who can get you 15 assists has the talent then to, as the defense is collapsing to him, to get it back to Kevin Durant or get it back to Kyrie or to get it to Joe Harris open in the corner. And he that is the thing that I think will be the most valuable asset if he's with KD and Kyrie. It is his passing. His shooting, though, is massive concern. And what are you going to do? But um, if I would ask you the same question about Jared mm-hmm. Allen, how would you assess our boy Jared Allen's play in these two games against the mm. Raptors. I was just talking about this with our <clears throat> our friend, former friend of the show, Massive Mole, um, not to be named. Uh, and, you know, he did the same thing that we've, we've often talked about the situation at center with this team, which just isn't going away. It's really a, like going to be an uncomfortable situation and something's got to give, right? Um, has Jared Allen made a great case for him being the the better solution. Yeah. Yeah, he has. But like, we have this, we have this problem here going into next season, Mike, and I don't know what's going to happen. I don't, I don't know. How do we, how do we make this make sense financially for everybody? I think the thing that you really do is that you just say to Jared Allen, <laughs> we do you, won't do pay you want to take a massive baker. No, yeah. we won't pay. Like the Nets have control of Jared Allen for next season. Um, mm-hmm. But after that next season is when things get wild and crazy. I think he becomes a restricted free agent and then any obviously any team can can lavish him with any offer you want and if you're the nets it, it's better to have some sense of what you want to pay jared allen and most nba players don't want to just feel like they're being used particularly if they're young like mm-hmm. and they know that they should be getting money that they're not getting their agents aren't happy about that that they're just being right. used in that way but and this is sort of what i'm talking about which is like he, he played 41 minutes today and that's just not – I mean, that's when he's at his best. He's one of these guys that, you know, by being high usage or just being used more in a game, uh, he he obviously, like, responds to that. You know, coming off the bench and playing 18 minutes a night is not not good for Jared Allen. It's not good for his career. 
Well, there is a world that like this, all everything in the, every, all of our worries about does Karis LeVert fit with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving? Does, who should start Jared Allen or DeAndre Jordan? Does this all work? The world where this all works, and I don't like this theory, but I've heard, sorry, I just got slacked. Um, mm. I don't really like this. I think I heard uh, David Thorpe on Zach Lowe's podcast talk about this, is that here's how Karis LeVert fits with Kyrie and KD. You make Karis your six man and then he's the guy off the bench sort of running the unit by himself you move spencer to the starting lineup as more of like the the two guard it's joe harris kd and deandre jordan Karis comes off the bench and is basically running the bench unit so then you have a souped up bench unit and if you have a souped up bench unit it's Karis and jared allen their minutes are always together and they have a great two-man two-man game going so then if your bench which is crazy because the net's starting lineup this playoffs is actually the Nets bench for next season, which is just mm-hmm. to think about that for a second. Um, that's how it could work is that Jared Allen right. gets his 22 to 25 minutes with Karis LeVert in bench units. KD's out there sometimes, sometimes Kyrie's out there and their two man game is working at a beautiful level. In reality though, that's kind of a waste of assets. This is a, this is a, this is why these questions about, what what to do with Karis Levert and, and Jared Allen will will remain in the ether indefinitely, because that kind of depth, yeah, it's great. It's it's obviously amazing to have a super deep team, so long as it's actually making sense for everybody. But the the problem is we have these young guys who are who are trying who are aspiring to to better and bigger things, right? So like that kind of there's friction there. There's just a natural kind of friction there, and it's not the good kind of friction. It's like it's a lack of opportunity friction, which makes everybody pissed off. And like you, so you do have Kevin Durant. Like Kevin Durant requires such respect that I could see. I mean, Jared Allen, of course, seems like a lovely guy. And then we said before he can build computers, and that's very cool. Huge. Karis Levert seems like a very lovely person as well. He's in the net system, and he's close with KD. And you could see them both sort of being able to be like, okay, well, we're with Kevin Durant. We respect Kevin Durant greatly. We respect Kyrie greatly. We will fit in these roles for this upcoming season hopefully win a championship and then we'll get paid or we'll get the accolades that we maybe feel like are coming our way in some way or another. Right. Like I could see that happening, but also we did see in Kyrie's last situation in Boston where Kyrie gets hurt in Boston and then Marcus smart plays. Well, Terry Rozier plays well, Jalen Brown's emerging, Jason Tatum's on the team and, you know, doing, doing well. I think it would have been a rookie at that time. And when Kyrie got reinserted back into the Boston Celtics, his second season, there was friction. Rozier felt like he should be getting more minutes. Marcus Smart felt like he should have been getting more minutes. You know, like when when you do have a situation where you have young players playing 39 minutes, like Karis LeVert is in the playoffs, to Jaredown's playing 41 minutes, and then you say, great, thank you for your effort and your heart, but next season you're going to play 20 minutes a game. Now, I think Karis would get more than 20, but Jared Allen probably would only get 20 minutes a game. That's a tough pill to swallow for someone who's looking to establish themselves, not only establish themselves, but looking to make a lot of money. Um, so it's going to be a sticky wicket, as we like to say mm. here on mm. the glue guys, to get through. We'll I get through. That's it. it. Any We're any other thoughts? It. Are you obsessed with Tyler Johnson? Is he the greatest guard that's ever played for the Nets? What's your what's your feeling? Just you feel TJ great. TJ is big. And he's starting. We'll, we'll be, we'll continue. Yeah. He just got a big boost up. Um, yeah. I mean, he's fine. I don't, you know, <clears throat> it's hard to, I, I, I feel bad. Like I want to take off my like uh, hot takes about 
No, he's fine. He's fine. Yeah. <laughs> he's been good. He's been good. He's good. He's fine. Um, yeah. So I think the next two games, I'm going to be very intrigued to watch what minutes Jared Allen and Karis LeVert are going to get. Um, are they going to dial it down in some way? Are we going to go a little bit deeper into the bench because there's sort of an inevitability feeling? There's a Thanos feeling. I am inevitable. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That's what he said in the, one of the movies, I think. Um, very cool. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, <laughs> obviously, thoughts with whatever Joe Harris. I, we don't know mm. what Joe Harris mm-hmm. is dealing with, but we imagine it's serious in any way. Hope everything's okay. Um, yeah. Thank you all for listening. Oh, thank you sorry. for thank you for driving so fast and getting to your destination. <laughs> I, got, I got I got hit with heavy traffic on Route 17, bud. Um, all right, thank you all for listening. Uh, we'll be back in your ears as soon as humanly possible. Bye.